Amen. If you'll turn with me to the book of Zechariah, stand in honor to the reading of the word of the Lord, the book of Zechariah, chapter number 14. Zechariah, chapter number 14, verses 7 through 9. I have this terrible sense that I have forgotten something. do know it's Valentine's Day, and I want to wish my wife a happy Valentine's Day. And our anniversary was Wednesday night. I was sick, in the bed all week. Got out yesterday for the first time, but uh, 26 years, and uh, amen, 26 years. And you know what? I told somebody, that's right, give, give her a good hand for endurance. paraphrase of the Bible says, she that endures to the end shall be saved. Amen. I told somebody a few weeks ago, I said, I don't know how everyone lives from day to day, but I've known this, I've lived with her for 26 years, and I don't know a better Christian in anywhere than her. And, uh, and I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, 26 years, as far as I know, she has read her Bible every single night for 26 years but one. And the one, she, we were traveling somewhere and she, for whatever reason, forgot to pack it and she couldn't go to sleep till I quoted scripture to her. And so, uh, but, uh, but that's the kind of lady she is. And I'm not sure you all realize how blessed you are that she's here, but I realize how blessed I am that she's here. Amen. Zechariah. Zechariah 14 and 7 through 9. Zechariah 14, 7 through 9. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. That at evening time, everybody say at evening time, it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them toward the former sea, half of them towards the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. It shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Amen. I want to preach about light in the evening time. God, I pray your anointing on this congregation, all that's gathered inside the walls of this building and all that are gathering in their homes and wherever they're watching and listening from. I pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come upon me to preach your word. God, I pray that your anointing will be on my mind and my spirit, my heart and my voice. God, for the power of your spirit and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to do its work in this place. God, I bind every power of darkness that would try to hinder and frustrate the work of your spirit and we loose the anointing of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven to destroy every yoke in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. 
Evening time is a prophet of sorts. It foretells the coming night. The definition of the word evening in the Oxford English Dictionary is that it is a period of time at the end of the day. This particular word in the Hebrew language means that the, the end of the day or the night. The expectation of the morning sunrise at evening is a distant hope. Yet there is this sense of hopelessness that descends with the darkness of night. It's the nighttime when your faith is the most attacked. In the evening time, hope grows weary and tired. I will tell you that it is no secret that fear and anxiety rule the night. My mama told me nothing good happens after dark. There is a foreboding, overwhelming sense of evil that begins to descend in the evening time. Amen. I like lights on in the house. Other people like it dark. I tell them we're children of the light, not children of the dark. <laughs> evening time in life comes in many ways and forms. Trials and tests of life are dark moments in people's lives. Tests, difficulties, circumstances, problems bring the darkness of discouragement to us. The evening time takes many forms in our lives. Families, family problems, health problems, financial problems, emotional struggles. The valleys of life bring despair and fear. In the darkness of night, it's difficult to find your way. You're not sure what's in front of you, what's lurking in the darkness, in the shadows, the uncertainty of not knowing what holds in the shadows brings the anxiousness of the nighttime. Evening time is often a melancholy time in life, a moment. It could be that time in life when the doctor's report is worse than expected, when the financial situation seems to have taken a turn. Perhaps the boss said he didn't need you anymore, or a relationship, a spouse crushes your trust. Evening time, the darkness of the world signifies the coming trials of the night, tribulation, distress. By definition, darkness is the total or partial absence of light. It is that time when it feels like the light has disappeared and hope is gone. Scripturally, darkness represents sin and hopelessness and life without God. Darkness has been used to describe depression, discouragement, death, disease, sickness, helplessness, and hopelessness. Darkness. I will tell you something that you don't need me to tell you. But nonetheless, it must be said that the world that we live in is a world full of darkness. Darkness is different for different people. For some, it's the darkness of poverty and not being able to provide for your family. 
For another, it's the darkness of a struggling or failed relationship. For one, it may be the darkness of an addiction that they can't seem to break free of. For another, it's the darkness of loneliness. For someone else, maybe it's depression or despair, grief, sickness, disease. For another, it may be the darkening grip of sin in the life. I will tell you without a doubt that sin is a blanket of darkness that's covering our world. Psalms 51 and 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is a sinful world. Romans 3 and 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ezekiel 18 and 4, The soul that sinneth it shall die. Ezekiel 33 and 9, If you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he do not turn, he shall die in his iniquity. For the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. And James said in 1 and 15, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. My brothers and sisters, I doubt I have to spend much time and effort this morning to convince you that we're living in a time of cultural and spiritual darkness. We're living in sinful days, perverse days, a wicked generation. This world glorifies everything that's perverted, and it perverts everything that's glorious. Amen. It mocks everything that's holy and applauds everything that's wicked. It kills babies and mothers' wounds but begs you to save the whales. It defends perverts but condemns righteousness. Amen. Do I need to tell you how dark today is? Amen. We're living in a wicked, sinful world, my brothers and sisters. People of faith are ridiculed while demon-possessed celebrities are glorified. Amen. Amen. Can I just go ahead and say that almost all the popular singers and actors are probably all demon-possessed? Amen. I'm not happy about it. I like them to get delivered. But the fact is, this world is under the sway of demonic power. It bothers me when our kids know more worldly songs than they do church songs. And they know more athletes and actors than they do saints and preachers. Praise God. It's darkness when we're more loyal to our recreation than we are to the God of creation. We give more time to hunting than we do worship, to ball than we do prayer. Amen. I'm preaching to you right now. We're living in a dark, wicked, sinful world. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I, I, I probably, you probably want me to hurry up, but I feel like I might need to stay here a little while. Amen. Sin has got a hold of our society. And if we're not careful, it'll get its fingers into our minds. And we'll be so concerned with the things of this life and the things of this world. And we'll become unconcerned with the things of God. Maybe I'm sounding a wake-up call right now to shake ourselves and realize that there's a dark world out there. And you can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. The evening time has descended upon our world, my brothers and sisters. Signs of the times are being fulfilled all around us at an astounding rate. 
It's like God's time clock has been put in a faster gear. The clock is ticking towards midnight. The sun is setting on our society. Humanism, secularism, worldliness, the pervasiveness of sin, perversion has moved the world toward the evening of all time. Amen. We're running out of time, folks. I said we're running out of time. This day, the day's not much longer. The, the day is far spent and the night is at hand. If we're going to do something for God, we got to do it quick. If we're going to live for God, we got to do it now. If we're going to reach somebody, we got to do it now. Now is the time because it's evening time. The sun is going down. We're running out of time. I have an hourglass on my desk, and kids love to come in there. It, uh, you can spin it around. It has a magnet at the top, and you can spin it, and they watch the sand, the sand go down. And one of the little boys was in there, and he said, I'm going to turn it over, and I'm going to come back in an hour, and I'm going to see if it's an hourglass or not. And he went out, and he had been, had been in there a couple of minutes, and some of the sand had fallen from the top to the bottom. And when he walked out, one of the other little kids that was in there turned it back up. He said, I'm going to make time go faster. It feels like what's happening in our world today. Amen. Feels like the time clock towards the end time has sped up. Or am I the only one that feels that way? Amen. I'm telling you what, that it's time. It's the end time. God is getting ready to wrap this whole thing up. Amen. We're running out of time to be the church that God has called us to be. Amen. You know me. I don't get up and I don't preach a whole lot of end time prophecy and I don't do a whole lot of, of that stuff. But I'm telling you what, it can't be much longer that the way they're talking about tracking people and all that. The mark of the beast is around the corner. We got to get our act together and be ready when the Lord comes back. We don't have time to waste. It's evening time. We don't have time to goof off. It's evening time. We don't have time to be afraid. It's evening time. We don't have time to dawdle. It's evening time. The Lord's coming back soon. We got to be ready. We're running out of daylight. The time, the time is at hand. Amen. I got to hurry. The carnal mind is darkened by human nature. It's unable to discern the things of the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in chapter 2 and verse 14 of 1 Corinthians. But the natural man receiveth not everybody say receiveth not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned amen i hear people all the time talking about how how can people not see what they're doing how can people not see what's going on how can they not see what's happening in the world i'll tell you how they cannot see because the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of god their foolishness to him. That's why people think that worship is foolishness because they're thinking with the natural thought. They're carnal in their thinking. Amen. That's why they don't see faithfulness as a requirement, as something we need to do because they don't think like a spiritual man. They think like a natural man. That's why this world mocks holiness because they're natural. They're not spiritual. And there's some things you only understand with a spiritual mind. Amen. Jesus said, unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We need to quit worrying about why people on the outside can't see. And we need to start worrying about why people that are supposed to have the Holy Ghost aren't seeing the kingdom of God. Praise God. Amen.
I'm hoping my oxygen out, outlasts my notes. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The carnal mind is darkened by sin and human nature. The darkness of the sinful nature makes it difficult to discern the things of the Spirit of God. The Bible says neither can he know them. It means literally that a non-spiritual man cannot perceive or even see the things of the kingdom of God. That's why we ought to thank God that he turned the light on in our life and let us see our need from him. The fact that you're here, you ought to lift your hand and say, God, I thank you because you gave me the opportunity to perceive the things of the Spirit of God. It's important for us to notice that just because the natural man cannot perceive the things of the Spirit doesn't mean that they're not present. When you turn the lights out in your house, the things in your house don't move or disappear. They're still there. You just can't see them. I remember when I was growing up, my, my bedroom was the basement of our house. And, uh, and, and it had been turned, the basement of our house had been turned into an apartment for my grandparents. And as they were older, they lived in the basement there. And they had a little kitchen and a little, a little restroom. And, and, and it, was a, it was an apartment. And when they, when they passed on and my sister moved out, it became my, my bedroom. And the problem was that, uh, that the light, you had to walk all the way to the other side of the house to get the light switch. And so you go over there and turn the light switch off, and it's a basement, and it's dark. And so you're like feeling your way around. It reminds me of that old chiropractor you took me to when I was evangelizing, a 19-year-old evangelist, and Brother Porterfield had taken me horseback riding, and instead of teaching me how to ride, he laughed at me when I slapped the saddle for about four hours. The next day I couldn't walk. I came from down there to, to, from up there to down here to preach, and Brother Wilson saw I was having trouble walking, so he took me to my very first chiropractor appointment. And we go in that chiropractor, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and I'm a little nervous anyway, Brother, Brother Dan. I'm a little nervous because I'd never been to a chiropractor, and I'd always heard they were quacks. And so I'm sitting there, and there's this poor old man, and he's, he's coming down the hallway, and he's just, and I'm like, dear God. They practically killed that old man. And they're going to do it to me next. And then when the old man got to the end of the hallway, he was the doctor. He could see more with his hands than both people would see with their eyes. But that's how it was after turning that light on. You're just feeling the way around. And, and, and there was a post in the middle of the room. And if you didn't cut the corner just right, as you felt the, the hand around the corner, if you didn't cut it close enough, boom. Because it was dark. The post didn't move when the light went out. The sofa didn't move, move when the light went out. The chairs and table didn't move when the light went out. The only thing that changed was I couldn't see what was already there. I rigged up a light where I could just pull a string in my bed and I could see. Praise the Lord. But the darkness didn't move the stuff. It just hid it from sight. Paul told the Corinthians, the natural man can't see the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. They can't be seen by the carnal, worldly man. They can only be seen by the spiritual man. But just because they can't be seen doesn't mean that they're not there. In the darkness, 
is the same miracle working God that there is in the light. The same miracles are in the darkness as in the light. The same healing in the darkness as in the light. The same joy, the same peace, the same deliverance, they're all still there, but it can't be seen in the darkness. The only way to see it is to have the light turned on. It takes light to see the things that are freely given to us. Amen. Now, I've spent a lot of time this morning talking about the darkness. I've spent a lot of time talking about the evening time. But I will tell you that I have not come here to glorify the darkness. And I have not come here just to talk about all the stuff happening. I've not come to brag on the evening time. My message is quite the opposite. The prophet of God said, there shall be light in the evening time. Amen. That means that when it's dark on the outside, there will still be light to give revelation, to give hope, and to give life. Praise God. Psalms 119 and 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. That's why we need preaching. Amen. That's why we need preaching. Because it's the entrance of the word that turns the light on. Amen. So then, Romans 10, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the word of God is preached, it turns the light on in somebody's darkness. Praise God. Amen. To some people, preaching is a drudgery. To some people, it's a religious formality. To some people, it's just a chance to get offended. But to people who need God, it turns the light on in their life. We need preaching to turn on the light in our soul. So we can see what's there around us all the time. May I tell somebody that you feel like you've been in darkness. Your life is surrounded by darkness. It's discouragement, despair, depression, hopelessness. May I tell you that in that darkness, that everything that God has is there. You might not be able to see it, but it's right there. Amen. Praise God. The healing you need is there. The joy you need is there. The peace you need is there. The deliverance you need is there. The breakthrough you need is there. You just need the light to come on. That's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. Because there's hope in your darkness. There's joy in your darkness. To everyone that's out there and you're battling an addiction, there's hope for you. There's deliverance for you. You may feel like you're in darkness, but everything that's in the light is still there. The preaching of the word shines a light into darkness. Amen. That's why I can't afford to get offended when the Bible is preached to me. Amen. I, I was taught growing up that if the preacher preaches from the Bible and it offends you, it means you got something wrong in your life. Holiness preaching ought to not offend holy people. Amen. Faithfulness preaching won't offend faithful people. Worship preaching won't offend worshipers. Prayer preaching won't offend prayers. Giving preaching won't offend givers. The people that get offended are the ones that are in darkness in those areas. So God turned the light on in our life. Amen. I still believe that we ought to preach holiness, folks. I still believe it's holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I believe the church ought to be separated from the world. There ought to be something about people full of the Holy Ghost that's different than the people in the world because the light has come on. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I sat a few days ago with a young boy from this church, 
he probably wouldn't be he probably wouldn't like me calling him a young boy but uh, but that's what he is to me we sat and ate pizza and talked and in that conversation there was an expression of worry about the times that we're living in about it being the end time and all the stuff that's going on in our world folks our kids see and hear all this stuff and what we talk about gets in their mind and in their heart amen and I might be able to talk about it and not just worry me too much but that doesn't mean everybody can and so our young people and our children don't necessarily understand what's going on in the world but they know the world's changing and this, this boy is worried about his friends and the world and the country and all the end time and all that. I will tell you that it is evening time. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's either a threat or it's a promise. Amen. If you're not right with God, it's a threat. If I say the Lord's coming soon and the world's about to wrap up and it brings nervousness, it's time to pray. God, help me. Make my salvation sure. Help me make my calling and election sure. You don't have to walk out of these doors without knowing that you're ready to meet the Lord. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to be baptized, be baptized. But whatever you do, don't walk out of here and take a chance that you'll get a chance to come back because we don't know. It's time. It's evening time, folks. I've come to preach not about the darkness, but I've come to preach about the light. The Bible said there shall be light in the evening time. My Bible says in Romans 5 and 20 that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. Now, I understand I'm not rejoicing about all the terrible things going on in the world. I don't rejoice about all the stuff going on out there in the world. But I will tell you this, that the more I see happening out there, the more I realize that grace doth much more abound. So for every drug addict, grace much more abounds. For every, for every murder, grace much more abounds. For every broken life, grace much more abounds. What I'm preaching is that what's going on out there is a sure sign that it's revival time the Bible said there shall be light in the evening time what I've come to preach is to everyone gathered under the sound of my voice today get ready for revival get ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost get ready for a move of the Spirit I've not come to glorify the darkness but to tell the darkness there shall be light in the evening time, I'm preparing for the greatest revival we've ever seen. I'm preparing for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we've ever seen. I'm telling you, this world is hungry for more than what's out there. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise right now. There shall be light in the evening time. God wants to turn somebody's darkness into light. There's hope for the addict. There's hope for the backslider. There's hope for the wayward. There's deliverance for the captive. There's deliverance for the alcoholic. There is light in the evening time. <clears throat> I'm coming to a quick close. We know that God's a morning God. Amen. The God of the morning. 2 Samuel 23 and 4, he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth even a morning without clouds boy that sounds like a beautiful day doesn't it as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain he shall be as the light of the morning Psalms 30 and 5 weeping may endure for a night 
But joy comes. When? In the morning. Amen. The prophet said his mercies are new every day. Jesus' resurrection was at the dawning of the third day. I'm glad I serve a God of a sunrise. Amen. But it's not sunrise in 2021. It's night. We know from the scripture that God works at the third hour. It was about the third hour of the day that the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2. Amen. But it's not the third hour. It's evening time. I know that God's a God that works at the sixth hour. At the sixth hour, he met the woman at the well. She was hated and despised. Her dreams had long ago been shattered. She had met six men who had broken her life, but at the, seventh hour, at the sixth hour, she met the seventh man. And the seventh man made all the difference for her at the sixth hour. Amen. I'm glad I serve a morning God and a third hour God and a sixth hour God. Amen. I also know that God is a ninth hour God. It was at the ninth hour that Peter and John were going to the temple to pray and saw a man lame from his mother's womb. Immediately, the Bible said at the ninth hour, his ankle bones received strength and he, leaping up, praised God, healed at the ninth hour. It was in Acts 10 at the ninth hour that the Lord sent an angel to Cornelius and said, go look for Simon Peter and he'll tell you what you got to do. It was at the ninth hour that he got his revelation. Amen. I'm glad that God works at the ninth hour. I got a sunrise God, a third hour God, a sixth hour God, and a ninth hour God. Amen. We also know he's an 11th hour God because he hired an 11th hour worker and gave them the full day's wages. Amen. But it's not the morning and it's not the third hour. It's not the sixth hour. It's not the ninth hour. And it's not the 11th hour. We're dealing with nighttime. We're dealing with a wicked hour. What in the world are we going to do in the nighttime? I know it's not morning and I know it's not the third, sixth, ninth, or 11th hour. I know I need God to do something because it is nighttime. But the Bible said that Paul and Silas were in prison at the midnight hour. Amen. Locked up in stocks and in chains. Hope of freedom at best a long shot. Lurking in the darkness was all, were all kinds of dreadful things. Wounded from their beatings, they were soon to be executed. It was midnight for them. It wasn't the morning, and it wasn't the third, ninth, sixth, or eleventh hour. It appeared as if there's no escape. There's no hope because it is midnight for Paul and Silas. Amen. At midnight, while the water drips incessantly and rats run across their feet, while the infestation of lice and, lice and flies in the prison uh, were unbearable, in that middle of the darkness, the midnight cry began to sound. Groans and sighs were uttered. Depression was palatable. Hopelessness tangible. It's midnight and there's no hope. It's dark and we're a long way from the sunrise. I got a sunrise, God. I got a third hour God, a sixth hour, ninth hour, and eleventh hour God, but I wonder, do I have a nighttime God? I wonder if my God sleeps when the sun goes down. And sometimes maybe we look at this world and we wonder, God, why are you asleep? Why are you letting the heathen rage? Why are you letting all the stuff go on? Why are you letting the drug houses and the bars fill up while the churches empty out? Why, God, are you letting a pandemic rage across our world and cultural hatred begin to propagate why what is going on in the world that we're living in why God am I in my darkness why am I in my depression I know 
I know you're a God of the morning, and I know you're a God of the noonday. But God, I need a God that can be with me in the nighttime. But lo, I hear the prophet's voice. There shall be light in the evening time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In the middle of my darkness, there shall be light. In the middle of my prison, there shall be light. I've come to tell somebody in the middle of your addiction, uh, there shall be light. In the middle of your marriage trouble, there shall be light. In the middle of your depression, there shall be light. I've come to tell somebody that's just about giving up on life and giving up on hope. There's a word from God. It shall be light in the evening time. Don't give up hope. He's not only a morning God. He's not only a third hour God, a sixth hour or ninth hour God, but we serve a God that is light in the evening time. Acts 16, 25 at midnight. Everybody say at midnight. I want you to shout at midnight. I want you to shout it like you mean at midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Everybody say they prayed. And they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Listen to me right now. This is the most important statement I'm going to make in this entire message. If you don't get anything but this one statement, you get this statement and you get it down deep in your spirit. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Listen to me. How the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. I'm going to say it again. How the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. We can wring our hands. We can throw in the towel. We can cry ourselves to sleep and say, woe is me. The world is so bad. The world is so terrible. Or we can stand up and we can pray and praise God and there'll be light in the evening time. How the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. Amen. It's a wicked day, but we ought to be praying more than we ever have. It's a hard day, but we ought to be worshiping more than we ever had. For there shall be light in the evening time. How the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. How the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. What are you talking about? I'm going to tell you, this carpet cannot respond. It's part of the church, but it can't respond. These beams are part of the building, but they can't respond. The pews can't respond. That's all part of the church building, but they can't do anything. But if we're going to talk about the church responding, what we've got to talk about are the people in the church responding. Amen. May I tell you that every pew in this building that has a body on it needs to have a revival this morning. Amen. Every single pew that has somebody on it, that pew needs to have a revival. But that pew's not going to do it. That means you got to do it. You, sir. You, ma'am. You, young person. If we're going to have it, you got to do it. Because how you respond to the night will determine how God responds to the church. We are the thermometer. We are the thermostat. We are the ones that open the door for God to move. I would, look, if I wanted a miracle in my family, there's no way I'd be sitting down right now. If I needed a miracle in my body, there's no way that I'd be just watching right now. If I needed a breakthrough in my family, I'd be doing anything I could to get God to move because how the church responds to the night is how God responds to the church. 
Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him right now. I've seen people go through difficulty and trials in life and give up. I've seen other people go through the same trials and make it. The night is not the time to slow down, quit, or give up. The night is the time to pray and to praise him. At the midnight, everybody say at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Listen, if you're going to be concerned about what people who are in spiritual prison think about your praise, then you're never going to get out. If you're concerned about what other people think about your worship, then you're never going to get your breakthrough. Amen. They didn't care that the prisoners were hearing them. They weren't praying and singing to the prisoners. They were praying and singing to the God of the midnight hour. Amen. And if you're going to worry about what the world thinks about you and what your buddies think about you and your friends think about you, then you're always going to be concerned. I'm going to tell you one time I felt, Brother Wilson, I might not ought to get into this, but it's too late. I done opened the can. Amen. One time I was, in, I, was, I was concerned about an intimidating spirit that, that, that some of our men, when they would worship, that they would be intimidated because somebody might make fun of them or talk about them or laugh at them. And it was an oppressiveness over the men of this church. And I began to pray. And I began to pray that God would break it. And now every time I look across this building, I see men who are worshiping and praising God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be concerned what a carnal person thinks about my praise. Amen. They can laugh if they want to, but they can't set me free. They can't break my chains. They can't bring me out of darkness. They can laugh all they want to, but they never shed one drop of blood for me. Oh, no, they never went to a cross for me. So I'm not going to be concerned with what they think. I've come to worship God and to praise him. At the midnight hour, how the church responds to the night will determine how God responds to the church. I wish somebody would praise him in the middle of your darkness. I wish right now in the middle of your darkness, when you don't know how it's going to work out, I wish you'd praise him right now because how you respond to the darkness determines how God responds to you. God doesn't need sunshine to work. He's light all by himself. He is the true light that lights every man. He doesn't need a secondary source of light. He is the source of light. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. They did not give in to despair and depression. They prayed and sang praise unto God because something happens in the supernatural realm when there's an evening time praise. Mm. Something happens in the supernatural realm when there's an evening time praise. When in the middle of the end time, a church can rise up with praise and joy and thanksgiving and worship to God. Something supernatural begins to happen in the middle of a pandemic when a church just decides we're going to have revival anyway. 
Amen. When somebody makes up their mind, my circumstances aren't perfect, my life isn't perfect, everything's not right, but I know one thing, that God is the only way it's ever going to work out, so I'm going to give praise in my evening time. Something happens in the supernatural realm when there's an evening time praise. Oh, God. You say, why are you praising God? Because I'm in, evening, I'm in the evening time. I need God to move. When all the reports say you should give up, when it looks like it's over and there's no way out, when the enemy of your soul stands with bated breath because he feels the evening time has silenced your praise in the darkness, you take a shackled hand and you lift it to God and there shall be light in the evening time. He's not just the God of the day. He's not just the God of the sunrise and the third and the sixth and the ninth hour, but he is the God of the midnight hour. Oh God, as your eyes are closed all over this place. I've come to proclaim the greatest revival that we've ever seen. Amen. God, on a regular basis, is breaking chains around here. People being baptized and set free from their sin and addiction. Lives turned around by the power of God. Families put back together. Addicts delivered and set free. It's happening all the time. If I was watching, I'd do anything I could to get to Bethlehem Church just as soon as I can. At any service I could, I'd get here. Because when you walk in these doors, God's going to set captives free. He's going to break shackles off your life. He's going to put the light in the darkness. Amen. There shall be light in the evening time, folks. I've come to tell you, the darker the night, the brighter the light. God is going to change people's lives. I'm telling you, I'm prophesying right now. We're getting ready to step into the greatest dimension of revival that we've seen. God, because the darkness of the world is making people hungry for more. And deliverance is in this place. Victory is in this place. People are being set free. Their lives being turned around. Being delivered from addiction. Being delivered from oppression. Being delivered from depression. God is setting captives free. This is the place to be because there is light. In the evening time, somebody ought to stand to their feet and thank God that he's a nighttime God. Oh, he's a nighttime God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's a delivering God in this place. There's a delivering God in this place. Amen. If you need God to breathe life into you, you've come to the right place today. I think we ought to raise our hands to heaven and thank him for light in the evening time. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how dark it gets, there's light in the evening time. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. 
God, there's a breaking in this place. Come on, prayers are being answered right now. Not just the prayers that were prayed this morning, but prayers from way back, from years ago.
able. Why don't you worship him right now? Worship him like he's able right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you're able. God, you're able. Even when I can't see my way through, you're still able. Even when it's too dark for me to see, you're still able. Yes, you are. Stephen, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and give the announcements and y'all can keep praying as long as you want to pray. Um, remember next week we have Brother Sean Garnett preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night in men's breakfast starting at 8 o'clock. Don't forget about men's breakfast. He will also speak to the men at the end of that breakfast. So you don't want to miss that. Um, also remember first steps immediately after service, uh, especially to all the youth and all the new members or guests that we have this morning, we would like to invite you to First Steps to enjoy a free meal on the church and to help you grow in your walk with God. Amen. One last announcement. You know the parking lot is very slick, and if you didn't know it, it's very slick. It's very, very slick. So we, our parking team has so graciously uh, come up with a plan uh, uh, to help you get out safely. We do not encourage you to go out uh, that way that you came in uh, where the steps are because they're so slick. We want you to come out this door right here by the organ by Brother Ethan. Um, we want you to start going out that door. But you can go slowly at your own pace. There will be some people that will be there to take your keys. They'll go get your car for you. They'll drive it up to the front and you'll just walk into your car and, and go from there. We're trying to make it as easy and safe on you as possible. If you want to go out the other way, you're welcome to, 
but we encourage you to go out this way and let our parking team help you leave this morning. We thank you for joining us. Be back here tonight at 6.30. If you cannot make it, we will be online. We'll see you there. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.